Magandang araw, podmates! Howie Severino muli na nagpapaalala na nakakatalino ang mahabang attention span. After nearly seven years in prison, former Senator Laila de Lima has resumed life in freedom. How has she adjusted to the outside world? How will she now use her stature and international platform? She joins us today. Magandang araw sa inyo, Attorney de Lima. Yes, magandang araw, Howie, saka sa mga nanonood sa iyo. Wow, it's so nice to see you again. Yeah, and it's great to see you in your home, no? Nasa sala kayo ngayon ng bahay niyo. Finally okay. at home. Yes, yes. And uh, I'm well adjusted now, actually. Unlike the first week, talagang halos hindi ako makatulog the first few nights because I, I still keep on uh, remembering, actually, my, my uh, home there at the PNP Custodial Center. But now I'm adjusted and I've been so busy. Okay, I want to ask you about this adjustment, no? Kasi it's now February. You were, re you were released last November. Yes. Uh, so tatlong buwan ng uh, nakalipas. Yes. Uh, so kamusta na kayo, no? What have you been doing uh, in these past uh, three months? And what has been the biggest adjustment for you? Uh, to being free again after nearly seven years in prison? My first adjustment, of course, is my environment. Because from a life of solitude, an environment, a solitary environment, then I'm suddenly plunged into the real world of uh, noise, of, of busy schedule. So that was really my first adjustment. I found it difficult really to cope with that. And then the traffic and all that. So uh, I've been so busy with uh, uh, private meetings, with uh, speaking engagements, with uh, small reunions with friends, with relatives. And I, I went to um, uh, our home city, Iriga City, and uh, visited my mom twice already. And I spent several days there in uh, Christmas. And it was uh, my happiest, but very emotional holidays ever because I... Uh, I got to uh, be with my mom for all, because uh, we were we were we not able to see each other for more than four years, so that was pretty emotional. The the several days I had with her during Christmas, but even if I was there, napakabisi ko parin don sa dami na mga taong pumupunta wanted to see me, wanted to really uh, say hi, and then most of them are even uh, teary eyed. And and so I thank them all for their prayers and their compassion. So I wanted to ask you about your visits with your mom. Sabi niyo nga, you visited her twice already. Ano? Uh, so she must be quite uh, uh, aged by now. Ano? Uh, so how much of your ordeal have you shared with her? She doesn't know. She never she knew know. until now that I was locked up in jail. What uh, she was told by my siblings is that I was just in the United States for studies. So she didn't know. But you know how we, I could feel that she knows. Maybe it's its the mother's instincts. So hindi lang siya nagsasalita. Although my mom is now semi-demented, sometimes she would recognize and sometimes she would be lucid, but sometimes she's now like a childlike uh, person. But she never, she, she always remembers me. She always recognizes me. Uh, the same thing with my siblings. But other people, uh, sometimes she would recognize, sometimes she would not. That's what we know, that she never knew 
that uh, I came from jail. And I guess, was this your your decision or was this a family decision not to, um, you know, let her know? I'm sure this is such a big decision on your part, no? Kasi mm-hmm. uh, may pros and cons yan, of course, no? It was a family decision, but it was this. It was my siblings, my two brothers and one sister who brought the idea. Let's not tell mom anymore. It might exacerbate her health condition. Because we even thought four years ago she would leave us now. That's why I had to ask for an emergency uh, for low. I had to go there to Iriga for uh, 24 hours. I was allowed by the court to visit her because we thought she was saying goodbye already. Thankfully, she held on. Thankfully, she's she's surviving. And uh, and and when I was still in jail, that's part of my prayers that the sana naman Lord hintayin pa ako ni mami na makalaya. And it was an answered prayer. Yes. Yes, quite a blessing, no? So, um, Attorney Dilema, para kang kinala sa lipunan ng pitong taon, no? I'm sure you're familiar with the tale of... Uh, Rip Van Winkle, no? Na, pero natulog naman yon. Pero ikaw, you were just kind. You were in isolation for a long time. Hindi ka uh, nakakalabas, except for you know. You just mentioned you're you're allowed to visit your mom. I think you were also allowed to go out for your for some of your hearings. Pero sabi mo sa ibang interviews, no? Wala kang cellphone, uh, sa loob ng uh, preso, uh, wala kang access sa internet. Uh, yes. Madalas, uh, lalo na ng pandemya, wala ka man lang gayo, no? Uh, ngayon na uh, nakakagala kayo ulit, uh, sabi mo nga, you're so busy socially, professionally, you know, you're getting back to the grind as a lawyer. Have you noticed any big changes in the world outside of prison? Not really. Uh, in, in, in a way, it's, it's still the same world, especially in the realm of politics, although it's getting more exciting uh, with all of this uh, noise with all of these bickerings. So we still have the same world, although I could not really witness that totally when I was there, because as you said, no internet, no TV, no radio, just really uh, newspapers. My my access to news was through print media. And then my staff also used to send me what they call comms or media pouch, where they collate and print uh uh, notable articles that I got to see, but so I'm I'm I, I was updated, but not completely. I I could not really completely see the whole uh, the whole scenery, the whole scene, the whole environment of what was happening outside. So there's not much really I I miss except the personal side of things. When I was deprived of the mundane things, which I used you know, I used to think them as merely mundane. But they're not, they're not, they're so important to me. Going to the market, cooking, being with my sons, being with my grandchildren. Those, those, you know, the realization that they're all so important for me. Because that's the whole idea, Howie. Uh, the whole agenda of my persecutors was to silence me, to, to break my spirit, to keep me out of the world so that I would stop making noise on the things that held dear, the advocacies that I, I've, I've been uh, propagating. Gusto kong balikan tong na-deprive kayo ng internet access and uh, mobile phone. Ano? Uh, I know that's the rule uh, pag nasa preso, but we do know that that rule is 
uh, just uh, just commonly violated. No, I mean, I mean, even non-VIP uh, yes. inmates uh, have access to mobile. I know this because some inmates yes. message uh, journalists uh, all the time. No, from inside uh, Bilibid, uh, etc. No, so uh, in a way, you got special treatment in that way. Not just those uh, jailed for criminal charges or convicted, no. But even those, I mean, may mga political cases, as we know, no. Na meron silang access sa sa internet and sa and sa cell phone, no. So, uh, why why were were you deprived of a cell phone when others were not? Okay, I'm perfectly aware of that. Even in the custodial center, before I had access to that, my guards would tell me that they had. Uh, that they had uh, cell phones, but it was a uh, a personal decision to follow the rules. Some of my staff would tell me, "Mam, kung gugustuhin yung madalihong magsmuggle ng cell phones sa inyo, we can very well do that madalilang po." But I told them, "Na pagalitan ko pang asila." I I I really I really I told them, "No, no, let's follow the rules. I want to follow the rules. Anyway, I can still communicate to the outside world." Through my written communications, letters, birthday greetings, letters of condolences, congratulatory letters. So that's how I uh, I communicated to the whole world. Maske yung mga sa tweet, sa sa Twitter, yung mga yung sa X, sa sa yung mga nagtitweet din ako noon. But through my staff, I just uh, write it down and then send them out. Let uh, ask a guard to send it out because uh, hindi naman bawal na nag nag. Uh, communicate to them through through handwritten materials so are they they're the ones who post those uh, uh, messages of mine my statements of mine via FB or or Twitter and they're the ones who disseminate them to media so that was a personal decision okay yes. I want to ask you about that no because it's it's just one of these personal decisions that have kind of um, not just intrigue others, but maybe even amaze. Napinili nyo yung uh, ibat ibang aspeto ng inyong oppression. No? Sabi nga, you could have easily had a cell phone and had uh, access to all of your loved ones, no? Through through mobile, if if you had wanted to. Pero gusto ko gusto nyo sumunod sa rules, no? Uh, at this and then also, uh, I know that you were traveling abroad. Uh, when you had an inkling na maaresto kayo, uh, so you had a choice actually to seek political asylum overseas para lang maiwasan yung maaresto at uh, makulong uh, uh, at maintindihan yan ng mga kaalyado nyo siguro kahit yung mga bumoto sa inyo. It hasn't been the first time no, that someone has sought asylum overseas. Uh, pero piniling yung umuwi no to face the music ikanga um uh, at the same time you also said that akala mo ilang araw ka lang makukulong no at uh, makakalaya ka kaagad uh, uh, pero umabot nga ng pitong taon but uh, what i'm saying is you you've shown a remarkable faith in the system yes which which from the from from many outsiders has failed you. Um, and, and looking back now, would you have made the same decisions? Yes. I, I Because you know how I'm innocent. 
So you're correct. Uh, in December, when I went to the United States to receive an award from the uh, uh, Foreign Policy magazine, I, from there, I went to Germany for a speaking engagement. That was December 2016. And as you said, I had an inkling already. I had sources within the DOJ who uh, relayed the message to me that uh, the DOJ would soon be filing cases against me and they would be arresting me. That's what uh, then President Duterte was aiming for. He, he really wanted me locked up in jail. But I chose to come back because I'm innocent. I was not afraid to face my uh, the charges against me. And uh, even if the justice system has initially failed me, I still maintain my faith in it because I felt, and until now, that it is through the justice system that I would attain my vindication. There's no other way that I would attain vindication. I have to be absolved by the courts the courts had to say that those charges were baseless so that I could redeem my name that were so destroyed, that were so vilified by my oppressors and uh, and uh, persecutors. So it's, it's, uh, it's a choice that I have to uh, put faith in the justice system. And as a lawyer, I have to. It would mean a lot if I decided to uh, turn back from the justice system and 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 uh, try to uh, um, demean also the justice system. It is through the justice system. There is no other way that I could attain vindication. In fact, my first two cases had been dismissed already. I was acquitted in those two cases. There's this remaining case where I am out on bail on provisional liberty. You've seen the reports about uh, some or many of uh, the inmate witnesses against me have uh, signified their intention to recant. Now that would be that would be really uh, the start of my vindication that this lying, these perjured witnesses are now uh, getting the courage, mustering enough courage to tell us the truth. I want them to tell the truth so that the people would know uh, about my innocence. Hmm. Okay, but when you were overseas and um, and and uh, thinking about returning uh, to to uh, seek uh, vindication no? uh, and face the judicial system. Did you think that prison was your only risk uh, or a long time in prison was the only risk? Because at this, at that time, 2016, no? ang dami nang namamatay sa so-called yeah. uh, drug war and uh, and we know that uh, uh, ilang buwan nang nagrarant no? si Pangulong Duterte about you. So he, uh, you know, he, he was not uh, fond of you to say the least, no? Uh, w were there other fears uh, aside from prison uh, when when you were uh, when you were deciding to go home? My friends had cautioned me it would be risky for you. Alam mo naman ang kapasidad ng chief oppressor mo, so you can be tar targeted anytime. And even if you're in prison, you can be targeted. Yes, the fear was there, but my longing for vindication far outweigh those fears. The far outweighs those fears. Uh, I, 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 I should move on. I should go on proclaiming my innocence. I wanted to also ask you about life in prison. But how did you? I know that you had something like twenty cats, and most of the and all of these were adopted, or meron ba 
Meron ka ba meron mang dinala sa preso galing sa bahay? Did, were you a cat lover before already? No. I was never a cat lover. I was a dog lover. Before I got incarcerated, I had only dogs. I didn't have cats because my dogs hated cats, so I hated naren cats. But when I was I I was uh incarcerated, I had no choice because cats kept coming to my quarters, especially during meal time. So there's more than 20. Most of them were actually just stray who would just appear there in my detention cell. About three or four were gifted to me by my staff and by my friend. Two of them are among the three that I get to uh, I get to bring home here. So much as I would want to bring home everyone, each and every single cat that I had there, I could not do that. There's simply no space in my house and there are dogs here also. So uh, I just uh, brought home my five favorites and that's and the Otto happened to be one of them. You know why it's called Otto? Because okay. you see, I had I had movie privileges, just like uh, the other the other detainees there. Every Saturday, I was allowed to watch movie from one to five in the afternoon. Nungkitan pasha, one of the guards uh brought me brought that to me. Mom, kawawa naman po, iniwanan po nung ina, so paki adopt because they know that I've been adopting cats there. So uh, at that time, when this was given to me. I just finished watching a man called Otto. So I named the cat Otto. <laughs> so how did the cats affect your life in prison? Oh, they were so, so significant in terms of my mental health, in terms of keeping my sanity intact. There's such a joy, even if makukulit, you know, they have different characters, just like human beings. But uh, I, uh, they, they really made my life there beautiful. They uh, soothed the uh, sadness uh, that I felt at times because I played with them, I fed them. And, and so very important. These are blessings to me also, Harvey. Nung pandemia at lahat tayo na lockdown, ano? ang dami nagkaroon ng pets. So uh, you're one of uh, millions around the world who... who uh, who turned to pets uh, for our mental health, basically, to maintain whatever was left of it during the pandemic. No? But mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to ask also what you think was your darkest time or moments in prison? There is no particular darkest time, but there were several really where I felt deep sadness. And that's when, uh, you know, loved ones, and, and allies and friends uh, would leave the world. For example, the death of uh, my only sister-in-law, the death of uh, uh, Pinoy, of, of Sek Dinky, of Sek Mon Jimenez. So I felt really deep sadness. It was revolting to me that I would not be able to pay my last respects to them. And another another moment of sadness is when I was not allowed to attend the graduation ceremony of my uh, uh, son Vincent, who who uh, eventually became a lawyer. The courts did not allow me to attend the graduation of my son. That was painful to me. Because I I recall that uh, other uh, inmates 
uh, even you know fellow senators were allowed uh, to you know as uh, to be given uh, that privilege. No, uh, to, they were allowed to uh, attend certain events outside of prison before returning you know before returning to jail. But ikaw hindi ka pinayagan at all except for that visit to your mom which you mentioned earlier. Visit to my mom and occasional medical furloughs for, for 24 hours or 48 hours because I, I made sure that I would undergo annual medical examination checkup even when I was in jail. So the court would allow me for either 24 hours or 48 hours for said purpose. But other than that, I was not allowed. Oh, the Thanksgiving of my son, I was allowed, I think, four hours, three to four hours uh, to, to attend that when, when he uh, passed the bar. Mm, well, congratulations to him, no? In October 2022, uh, hinostage kayo no, mm -hmm. ng uh, mga inmates who belong to the Abu Sayyaf. No? Uh, this is already um, during the Marcos administration. You didn't mention that as one of your darkest times. Oh, I just forgot about it. Uh, it's it's really one of my darkest times. Scariest. 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 Um, yes. It's, it's the scariest. Oh. Because uh -oh. I would imagine that would, that, that, that would happen to me. That would happen in such facility as the PNP Custodial Center. And it was so harrowing. It was the scariest moment of my life because I thought that was the end of me. Because the, the, uh, the uh, 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 hostage taker was dead serious. He was suicidal. Uh, so so uh, he wanted to take me with him when when he uh, uh, when you know when he saw that it was you know he was becoming desperate already because he saw that there were uh, snipers about to take him down. So he said, "You better come with me. You you will die also, mom." So he kept on saying that you will die also. He would still call me mom when he, we were exchanging uh, uh, talks. While I while I was uh, being held hostage, I mean, weapon, yeah. It was an improvised knife. Now it never it never penetrated because he he constantly pressed it on my chest the whole time, and and then minsan nga talagang maano ang pagkakapress niya, so I would cry. Ang sakit, wag naman ganyan. So he would he would adjust it a little, and then. After a while, ganun na he would press it hard. Uh, it, it, it really caused uh, trauma, chest trauma uh, for, for several days. It was uh, uh, painful, my, my chest and even my back. Um, so I had to be confined in the hospital for several days after that incident. So traumatic. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and while while he while uh, he was your while you were his hostage, you were blindfolded and yes, and blind, blind, blindfolded, hand tied, ito sa likod, and then uh, feet. My my feet were also tied all the time, so I I could just hear what what, what he was saying and what he what was happening. I could hear the uh, the negotiator when he came. The negotiator, Director Pespes, Pes, who was then the uh, the the director of the uh, uh, headquarters support service, and I was um, fortunate to have him 
as the negotiator because he uh, thought fast. He uh, he um, was um, he did he, he did his part, and he was the one who shot the hostage taker when he saw that my life was at serious risk. So uh, that's how it ended, no? Um, I, I recall from uh, a previous uh, conversation we had, no? It was humingi siya ng tubig and then habang, habang inaabot yung tubig sa kanya ng negotiator na to, bumuno na ng baril, no? Yung, yeah. yung police negotiator and shot him. Yes. Hindi kasi pinagbigyan o pinagbibigyan yung mga hiling, the requests, the demands of the hostage taker where... Uh, C-130 plane, military plane, where uh, he could be brought to uh, Sulu. He also asked for a Hummer getaway vehicle. And he also wanted media. He wanted to talk to media. The negotiator, Director Pespes, was bidding for time. I knew that they would not, of course, accede to his demands. He was saying that that's not within my authority. Titingnan ko lang ang magagawa ko kung uh, kaya namin yan. And even when he was telling me, the hostage taker, to demand for those, I was telling him, I am in no position to ask for those because I'm also a detainee and uh, I'm no longer in in, in uh, government. How could I ask for, for those things? And even and it, in fact, I'm an opposition uh, member. So hindi naman naniniwala yung hostage taker. Ma'am, kaya nyo yan. Meron pa kayong influenza. Sabi ko hindi. So even the hostage negotiator was saying that. So but when he sensed that those uh, demands are not being met, that's when he said, Anahunta, uh, oras na mam, mamamatay na tayo. And I got so scared when he started praying Islamic in, in Arabic. Ah, sabi ko, naku, seryoso, pal- seryoso talaga to na mamamatay at uh, papatayin din ako. I think he's asking for forgiveness already from Allah or or saying goodbye already. So I started uh, praying na rin, quietly while I was blindfolded. And I was uh, I was saying, Lord, bahala na po kayo sa pamilya ko, bahala na po kayo sa akin. Pero sana, Lord, and that was my request, is that sana po, uh, sandali lang kung, to, kung sasaksakin niya ako one one shot lang uh, para I don't suffer anymore that there would be no uh, bleeding to death or, or slow death so that was my request and then suddenly when he stopped praying he suddenly asked for water well well, he is he, he's, he's, he's probably uh, thirsty but I was told later that water, asking for water and taking it was part of the ritual, saying goodbye ritual. So when, when I told him, because I was blindfolded and uh, hand-tied, I said, Gusto ko po ng tubig, ma'am. Sabi ko, Jan, gumanon ako. Because the, my, my uh, uh, dispenser, my water dispenser was at my right side. So he said, no. Hindi po, dapat po siya ang kumuha ng water para sa akin, referring to Director Pespes. So I said, Director, gusto daw po niya ng tubig. But after saying that, I started praying again. So I didn't know anymore what was happening. The next thing I knew, there were shots. 
So later, uh, you know, it was close range shot. It was on my right side because the hostess taker was in front of me with his knife uh, pressed on my chest, constantly pressed on my chest. And, and, and according to the director, so when he saw that my life was in serious danger, he was determined already to take him down, but he was just waiting for the right timing. So that's the right timing when, when the hostess taker asked for water. But then according to director Pespes, I, I also wanted to make sure about two things. First, whether meron pang ibang daladalang armas, yung hostage taker, like for example, a hand grenade. And because that would be, you know, dangerous. He could, he could not just shoot the uh, the hostage taker kung meron siyang granada. And also he wanted to make sure daw na hindi ako oh, uh, magalaw, malikot. Kasi kung malikot ako, then uh, it's also risky to to just shoot the hostage taker baka kasi ako ang matamaan so when he was nearing the hostage taker and with, with a glass of water daw uh he saw na wala namang hand grenade at nakita daw niya ako i was so still he thought i was in shock but, but i was actually praying um so that's that's the right time to to shoot the guy so uh Nung inaabot na daw niya yung water and uh, medyo umangat na yung, yung knife sa chest ko, that's when he shot him four times. Uh, it was so loud. Wala nga siyang one meter away from me, I think. Uh, sa, sa right side ko lang nung inaabot niya yung water sa, sa Jose Seque. So I never saw the, sh the actual shooting. I never saw how the hostage taker fell down because I was blindfolded. So linabas ka agad ako noon nung pagkatapos ng binarel yung hostage taker and I just saw my shorts because I was in shorts and my legs uh, with with uh, covered with blood. So that's all I saw. So and then I was taken out. I was I was I was brought to uh, to uh, the custodial office where they immediately checked me out kung, kung uh, you know my my blood pressure it shut shut up i think it became 170 over something so nag nag, nag shoot up and then meron silang portable EC, uh, ecg coming from the pnp uh, the the pnp uh, a general hospital so they checked my the condition of my heart it was okay so it was harrowing because I really thought it was my end. But you know, before that, before the uh, shooting, I, uh, I was also talking to God. And I said, Lord, bakit naman ganito? Uh, nagsakripisyo ako. Anim na taon. Uh, you know, here. And then, uh, ganun lang. The, the, that is how I would end. Uh, all those sacrifices put to naught mamamatay lang pala ako ng ganito under the circumstances so that that was what uh, was uh, in my mind and 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 pleading with with god but you know the whole time how we um because in situations like that it's either the fear would overwhelm you or you you overwhelm fear you know you 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 fight it off 
And, and that's what I did. I, I fought off my fear by appearing to be not, not uh, afraid. I was answering back. Sinasagot-sagot ko siya, yung F-hostess taker. Like for example, when he said, Ma'am, nasaan yung cellphone niyo? Dahil may tatawagan ako. May mga tatawagan ako. And then I said, wala akong cellphone. And then he said, uh, imposible. Papatayin kita, ma'am, kung hindi mo ilabas ang, ang cellphone. Sabi ko, kahit patayin mo ko, uh, wala kang makikita dyan. Kahit maghapon ka, maghalungkat dyan sa mga things ko, wala kang makikita. So that's how I was talking to him to show to him that I was not scared. And But that's actually my way of fighting off tremendous fear. And and all because you know if if fear would overwhelm you then you would not be able to think uh good and and you will you know you might go you might uh, uh just just uh pass out so i was fighting fear by doing that by answering back to my hostage taker yeah you you were still rational and able to reason no so you you had to have a certain calmness uh at that time despite that situation a lot of people would have been panicking sabi nyo nga baka maraming tao na himatay na sa takot sa nervyos or even maybe just succumbed at that time because of that no so wow what a story uh thank you for It sharing is. and and yeah and i hope you don't mind that i asked you to recall such a traumatic uh, episode no No, actually, when I was at the PNP General Hospital, a group of uh, uh, psychologists or psychiatrists checked checked out on me, and and they were saying, "Mom, okay, uh, you you've uh, we don't see anything, uh, we don't see any trauma in you. You were able to handle it well. But you see, mom, one way of really uh, getting out of that of of that uh, uh, memory is to." frequently talk about it talk about the experience and that's what i did any any anyone who would, who would ask me i would narrate the story you know even even president marcos when he called he called president bongbong called through the he phone called you right about, after the incident yeah you about one or two hours about no, when i was at the custodial office before i i uh, was brought to the hospital Uh, Secretary uh, Abalos visited me and he said, Mom, the, the president wanted to, want to talk to you through my phone. So I said, yes, of course. So uh, he nangumusta siya. Pinakwento rin niya sa akin, although not not really detailed. Uh, so he was shocked because he thought it was just an attempt, a hostage-taking attempt. He said, you were really taken hostage. Yes, sir. And then... Uh, Lalo siyang na-shock nung kunento ko na I was blindfolded, I was hand-tied and feet-tied. So, that's, that's the advice of the psychiatrist. Just keep on narrating it to anyone who would who would want to uh, hear that story. It, it's it's part of your recovery from from the trauma. Although he said, well, hindi ka halata na you went through that ordeal. So I just wanted to ask about this call from President Marcos. No, so he he called to show his concern. Ganun ba yon? Or to I, ask I, you? Hmm. Yes, I, yes, he was he was he was really very concerned that something like that would happen to somebody like me. That, you know that I'm I'm supposed to be a high profile a detainee, 
detainee there. And in fact, he offered to transfer me uh, to another. He said that if you want, we can transfer you to a safer place because we want you safe and, and secure. And then, so, but it, it's your decision. If you want to stay, it's okay. We will just beef up your security. So my decision was that I better stay here because I'm familiar already with the, with the environment here and with the people here. Okay, nung pinalaya kayo nung uh, uh, November last year, um, I, well, you were you were released on on bail for one of your cases, no? Uh, sabi niyo nga, na-quit na kayo dun sa dalawang kaso. Uh, nagpasalamat kayo kay Pangulong Marcos no? for, for respecting the rule of law and the independence of the judiciary. No? Uh, so, so do you don't think that you were released also for political reasons? I don't really think that. Uh, well, I must admit that yes, the 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 uh, the posturing of the BBM government with respect to my case, they'd rather not touch or meddle with the case. Because unlike before, I know, I know, I, I have information, I have sources telling me that really President Duterte through Senator Bongo would, would influence certain judges. And I think that's one of the reasons why most of the judges inhibited themselves from, from the case. Either they opted for early retirement or inhibited themselves just to avoid uh, the pressure, just to avoid the cases. Now, with President Marcos, uh, there was no such effort to 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 influence the courts uh, to rule against me. But I could feel that uh, maybe they know that I deserve to be released, that I I, I don't deserve to be in jail. So whether or not they did something, I, I don't know, uh, to, 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 uh, to hasten or to facilitate my release, I really don't know. But what, what one thing is sure, uh, since the judge was left on his own volition to decide the case on the merits, it was easier for him to do so with Duterte out and then the president not meddling in a negative way. So it was it was easier for the judge because that was not that was not possible when Duterte was still the president. What judge would go against his will to keep me and let me rot in jail? That's what he said, right? That he would want me rot in jail. He would, so now that Duterte was not there and the President Bongbong was, was, did not meddle, then it was definitely easier. The independence of the judiciary was upheld and respected, and so was the rule of law, and the truth came out. Okay, but but by not meddling and then allowing the judiciary to make a decision, you know, I guess, based on the, the merits of, of the case, uh, that's being interpreted by many, of course, as you know, in a political way, no, parang that's one of the signs now of this crack in the alliance. Kasi kung talagang gusto ng uh, administration na patibayin itong alliance or ipagpatuloy itong alliance, then they would have kept you in jail. They could have found a way 
to keep you in jail, uh, but now now you're free and you're one of you're now being yes. cited as a reason why uh, this alliance is is cracking up. Because uh, you know you were you were jailed uh, on, during the Duterte administration, who which didn't like you, uh, and now you're saying that you know after this hostage situation, President Marcos reached out and expressed his concern and even made this offer of moving you to another facility and then chose not to meddle. Whereas before, sabi nyo nga, the previous administration was meddling. Uh, so, hindi, hindi nag-meddle, napalaya kayo. So, ano nga eh, nagkakaroon ng mas malaking implication ito, as you know, no? beyond your own case. Yeah, I, I would not deny the fact that the cracks then, eh ngayon, ano na, all out na, di ba? All out hostility na, ant antagonism. It seems unredeemable, you know, the, the division between them. But back then, the cracks were showing already in in in, in last quarter of, the, of last year, it, the cracks were showing already. That was a factor. I will not deny that. You know, the judge could see that uh, Duterte would have no influence already. And and he could see that this government is not is not bent on keeping me in jail. Maybe he saw it through. There there was no express pronouncement, explicit pronouncement from anyone in government, especially the president, that he would want me released because the, their statement was just the, the case is now with the courts. Because you know I had information also that every time uh, the president was abroad. For official trips, my case would always be mentioned in in you know in, in the sidelines of his meeting with uh, uh, heads of state and other high officials of other of uh, foreign governments. But his answer would always be, according to my sources, the case is now with the courts. Let the court decide it. So while there was no explicit pronouncement about I want him released. I think the courts got the point. You know, you, you know, do what is right, do it, decide on the basis of merits, and we will not make, you know, we will make we will not make your life difficult. The, so there was an indirect message to the court or to the judge. I would not deny that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um nabanggit niyo yung ano, itong uh this international lobbying on your behalf no because uh uh you were in you were in prison for nearly 7 years and became known as one of the most prominent prisoners of conscience in the world no i mean you you became famous you became famous for that and then um nung release ka uh, last late last year uh you you said that one of your priorities now as a free person uh, is accountability uh, not just for what happened to you, but you know for 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 all the killings that happened during the Duterte administration, and you were going to assist the International Criminal Court, the ICC. Um, but this was back in November, no. So now that you're in the real world, you're you know you're dealing with you know having to make a living and running a household and taking care of your cats. I mean, ganun ganun parin ba yung inyong priority and perspective? Uh, yun talaga yung parin ng gusto yung gawin using your prominence and stature and whatever platform you have internationally to seek yes. accountability through the ICC. Ganun parin, Howie. Accountability. 
for, you know, for those, uh, for the killings, the thousands of killings under that sham war on drugs. And at the same time, accountability for what they did to me, the persecution, the oppression. They deprived me of the of prime years of my life. More, um, almost seven years is almost seven years. It's no joke. I could have done a lot. I could have uh, performed fully my, my functions and duties as then senator, but it was it, it became so limited because I could only I could only file bills and resolutions, and I could not participate in deliberations and debates. I could not cast my vote on important legislative measures. So, uh, pareho, um, I've been monitoring, of course, very closely the developments of the ICC, and uh, I, I I I could see that they're wrapping up already their preliminary investigation and therefore the issuance of the warrant of arrest is not far-fetched. The issuance of the warrant of arrest anytime would 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 be a uh, would be a, a reality. So uh Parin, because they they did this to me because of that core advocacy of mine, because I had to go to have them investigated in 2009 when I was with the CHR, I had him investigated for the DDS killings. In, twen in, in uh, 2016, when uh, he started this, uh, this uh, uh, killings, this Tokhang killings, then I had him investigated also by the Senate by filing that resolution barely 13 days after his assumption to power. So the, this, this is the root of, of uh, the, my, my oppression, my fighting in behalf of the helpless, powerless, voiceless victims of the drug war killings. So how could I not stop pursuing that? Now that I am free, I would really want Mr. Duterte and his cohorts held accountable by the ICC, who, which has the expertise and the determination, the uh, firm determination to do its job something that is not being done under any domestic mechanism of ours. I wanted to ask you that, attorney, you know, because uh, we, we were previously, previously talking about your faith in the judicial system, and that's why you returned home to face the music. Uh, you followed the rules, uh, and, then, uh, and then now you're saying you were released because the judicial system worked uh, in your case. Uh, respect for rule of law. You you praise the Marcos administration for that. So, because the ICC is supposed to step in when there's the, the failure of the state no, to deliver justice. But now that you think that the judiciary is showing some independence, why rely now on the ICC when when you've shown so much faith in our judicial system? There may be an apparent inconsistency, but there is no real inconsistency with such a position, Howie. Why? Because, yes, the ICC under the complementary rule can intervene if the state is unable or unwilling, genuinely, to do an investigation. So it's more of a case-to-case -case basis. We're talking here about the accountability of Mr. Duterte and the likes of Senator Bato de la Rosa, the chief enforcer of the Tokhang killings. Now, 
Is there any domestic body, court, officer, any domestic mechanism who's now running after them? They're not even investigated by any investigative body like the NBI, PNP, or whatever. The DOJ has also, has also not filed any case against Mr. Duterte and Senator Bato. So that is a clear demonstration of unwillingness, unwillingness and inability to investigate these officials with the highest responsibility for the killings. So ICC is well within its rights, is well within its mandate to meddle or to intervene. So there's no real inconsistency in that, uh, Howie. So uh, what, what is the likelihood that na ma-arresto siya talaga? And how does the current Marcos Duterte feud affect the chances of a Duterte arrest if the ICC issues an arrest warrant? I could see that that's one of the reasons why nagwawala na si Duterte. Out and out na yung antagonism niya kay President Marcos. Because I think he suspects that the BBM and his administration are, are really be, uh, cooperating with the ICC. Maybe not yet, the, uh, not yet in the full extent of the full uh, idea of, an, of, a, of cooperation. Maybe he felt that ultimately the president would order the enforcement of the arrest. It's a matter of political will, actually, on the part of BBM, if he's going to do that. Either he would not meddle with the ICC in enforcing the warrant of arrest or give orders to appropriate authorities like the PNP to cooperate and to serve the warrant of arrest. So you're correct that not it does not necessarily mean that when an, a warrant of arrest, an international warrant of arrest, will be uh, will be served right away. But you know, the mere issuance of warrant of arrest would have a so big an impact if that happens. In the, the, it's, it's a huge impact on our on, on, on our well-being as a as a society. That uh, here finally justice is coming for the victims of the drug war killings. Now, the enforcement of the warrant of arrest is another matter, but it will limit the movements of Duterte, because he cannot just go anywhere, especially in, in the state parties of, of the Rome Statute. There are 123 state parties to the Rome Statute. So any of those countries, if he goes there, would are actually obliged to, uh, to uh, enforce the warrant of arrest. The same thing with us. We are obliged. To, to serve the warrant of arrest, even if we are no longer a member of the uh, ICC or a, part, a state party to the Rome Statute because of the uh, withdrawal in 2018 by Duterte from it. So, uh, but we're still under obligation to cooperate for the investigation on crimes for uh, that happened at the time that we were still a state mem a member state. And that was in 2011, when we acceded to the Rome Statute, up to 2019, 
when the withdrawal became effective. That's clear in the Rome Statute, notwithstanding you know, the, the pronouncements that uh, we cannot cooperate because the ICC no longer has jurisdiction. That's not accurate. We are still obliged to cooperate in the investigation over crimes against humanity that happened during the time that we were still a state, a member state. Attorney Dilema, I want to wrap up by asking you, uh, because uh, you've served uh, in government uh, for a long time, no? Uh, under different administrations, you were chair of the Commission on, on Human Rights. You were Secretary of Justice. You were you were a senator. Uh, how do you view how our culture and society uh, have changed over that period of time, especially in the context of its seemingly widespread acceptance of extrajudicial killings during the time of uh, a President Duterte? People were actually applauding. They were cheering on. You know these these killings, which which shocked you know certain people. A lot of people also, but there were. A, there were a lot of people who felt it was the right thing to do, and also, something cultural was also going on. You know, now, you know, so you you've had a chance to kind of reflect on all of this, no? Uh, being in prison for a long time and being a victim yourself, no? I mean, any any thoughts you want to share about what is happening well, to our society? Can we? Can it? You know, can it recover from that? Can it? Is it? Can it change for the better? What do you think? It's really frustrating and disappointing that we had that culture under Duterte, acceptance of the wrong things. You know, it, it, you know, as if the Filipino were placed under the spell of, of this demagogue, that, you know, that uh, all of a sudden it was all right to, to see killings, just that, unjust and, and extrajudicial, extrajudicial killings. Now, uh, we have to put blame on, this, on the Frankenstein that is the social media. You know the social media uh, is 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 the culprit in in all of this. Aside aside of course aside from Duterte himself, who exploited the uh, uh, who exploited certain situations in our country, and he he was speaking the language of the masses who would enjoy his uh, toxic uh, language. So it was disappointing and frustrating. But again, just like just like. Uh, my uh, attitude towards the justice system, I never lost faith in the Filipino people because inherently they know what is right, what is wrong. It's just that certain circumstances in the political milieu would compel them to go to go by uh, the, uh, the wrong side because they were manipulated. People who were so expert in, in manipulating the mindset and, and the uh, attitude of, of the masses. So they were also victims of all of this. So I never lost faith in the Filipino people, no matter how frustrating it was. Well, on that uh, hopeful note, uh, Attorney Delima, we wanna thank you and wish you much luck in your future missions. Thank you for sharing and for standing up for principle. Former Senator and prisoner of conscience, Laila Delima, and now a free woman. Mabuhay po kayo at maraming maraming salamat po. Maraming salamat, Howie. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Howie Severino. 
check out the Howie Severino podcast. New episodes will stream every Thursday. Listen for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms.